Welcome to the Truth Be Known podcast, bringing you the objective truth boldly, candidly, and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode. Well, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Truth Be Known podcast. I'm Nathaniel Jolly. And I'm Eki Tepsapornchai. Well, brother, it is good to have you back again this week. Uh, I believe you guys have wrapped up with your VBS, right? Uh, along with a lot of other guys in the in the U.S. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, yeah. We had a blast. Um, that was actually uh, it's um, officially my second year with the church as of July first. But the very first VBS we've ever gone through and uh, had a great time. Had uh, we had ninety kids on the final night there, so we were um, ecstatic about that. Going in, not sure if we were going to get more than ten. So. Uh, very thankful to have that opportunity to serve so many children. Yeah, if you ever wondered what Eki would look like as a train conductor, you can um, see the pictures on his Twitter and Facebook. Um, That's right. You, <laughs> you should make sure you bring that get up when you come visit us. Um, I might have some fun with it. But uh, good stuff, brother. Well, look, we last week we started going through Galatians 5, talking about the fruits of the Spirit. And we got through the first few, and so we just kind of want to continue along that track. And, um, you know, it is so easy in today's world to always do episodes on on the hottest, latest thing. There is no shortage of that stuff. Um, But I think it's also good just to put out good, solid biblical material, you know, folks that need to just disconnect a little bit from the, the latest, hottest, you know, controversy or whatever, just to get in the word, to consider what God's word says, um, and, and let that just bring some genuine peace and joy into your life. Uh, we can get distracted very easily, right? Yeah, I agree, especially those who are on Twitter. And I know a lot of the folks that listen to us are, are people that know us on Twitter. They get enough of this um, on Twitter. And, uh, and and oftentimes, if you get too dragged into the mud with all the controversies and, and all the um, all the negative things that are being said um, and all the mudslinging, um, it, can, it can drag you down. And uh, we have to remind ourselves that there is always profit to going to the Word. There's not always profit in getting tied up in, in the affairs of, of men. So, um, definitely want to be able to spend time just going through the scriptures. And, and I know people that um, are at our church that may not be familiar with all the things that are going on um, outside. Uh, they, they profit as well. They, they don't need to know all the things that are going on with the world. Um, what they need to know is the word of God and just be able to take the time to consider how these things apply to their lives. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, we don't shy from talking about those topics as they come up either. Um, no, we don't. But all to say... You know, uh, Twitter, uh, Twitter users, social media users, whether you're whatever your, you know, your social media platform of choices, people tend to get in a little bubble and think that everyone in the world is talking about that same thing. It's definitely not true. <laughs> um, yeah. it, it, you know, we have a sphere of influence, and so it's it's good to kind of step back from those things sometime. Well, brother, last week, um, so we're in Galatians chapter five. We're talking about uh, the fruits of the spirit, um, or rather, the fruit of the spirit. Right? Uh, it's yeah. one spirit, and that spirit produces uh, fruit in our life, and it plays out in different ways. Last week, we talked about love, what that looked like. We talked about joy. We talked about peace. So we'll just see how far we get today. Uh, the first one on the list here is patience. What a one to start with in the world we live in today. We live in a microwave society where it's give me now. I have to have it now. Um, you know, outside of that, 
our culture is a culture of, you know, we just have no forbearance with people, right? Um, at least there's a whole sector of society that's patient unless you disagree with them. And, and then that goes out the window window. So patience. Yeah, that this is this is a big one. And when you think about the chapter uh, on love, 1 Corinthians 13, and we hear that recited at every single wedding, the first thing that mm-hmm. Paul says love is is it's patient. And so that's that's important. I think the order actually matters, not saying that it's necessarily a descending order of importance, but often the one that's mentioned first we should uh, give some special attention to. And then I think patience is the area that Everyone that I've ever met will say they struggle with to some degree or another, um, because you're right. We do live in a microwave society. We are um, we are self entitled beings. Um, we want things done. We want things done now. We don't want to have to wait for things, and we see that in our society with all the get rich quick or lose weight quick or be able to run a marathon. You know, from couch to marathon in 30 days kind of thing. Yeah. Um, there, there's no patience because people want to be able to do things immediately. Well. If God had the patience that man typically has towards the things that man wants, there'd be no salvation for us. Uh, But we learn from these scriptures that God has been patient with us. In fact, often uh, described as long-suffering. He is long-suffering through um, the ways that we rebel and sin against him. And he is long-suffering for the purpose that he wants to bring us repentance. He wants to save us. And so we're thankful for that, but we have to remind ourselves that um, we want to model that kind of patience that God has shown towards us and be able to model that towards others as well. So I love the word long suffering, uh, specifically because we don't like to do any suffering in our country. I don't like to suffer. You don't like to suffer. Nobody really likes that. Uh, but we tend to lose sight of the godliness inherent in believers when we suffer long, right? For the sake of each other, for the sake of one another, for the sake of the gospel witness. Uh, You know, there are lots of good reasons we would want to um, have fortitude and forbearance, especially when we're dealing with one another. And you you mentioned the Corinthians passage earlier, right? It's right there at the top of it. Love is patient, the very first one in verse four. Um, And, you, you know, if you've just been paying attention to our society for the last year and a half, two years, that is something you just don't see anymore mm-hmm. right is is patience um and i think it's it's really gone from the secular world and it's really crept into the church as well right we're quick to make judgments we shouldn't with one another we are often not quick to forgive and to uh yeah um extend uh, long suffering towards one another uh, and yet this is what the scripture says is a fruit of the spirit of God that's dwelling within us. Uh, and so it should be something that I think if we were to err on a side, we would rather err on the side of, of being more patient rather than less patient. Yeah, I totally agree. One of my seminary professors, one of my last ones, a guy named Harry Walls, really good and godly man. Um, he taught a class on church ministries. And I remember he told us um, as seminary students uh, ready to go into ministry, he said, said men, uh, every single mistake I've made in ministry, and he had been a pastor for over 27 years, um, obviously a lot of wisdom and experience, but he said every mistake that he has made is because he has been too harsh and too quick. Um, to to jump on something, and so being patient um, is is um, definitely um, very Christ like. And to flip this the other way, if we were impatient, 
to be impatient is actually, um, in many ways, to not trust in the sovereignty of God. Because if we recognize that God is sovereign over our circumstances, He is sovereign over everything that is happening, then to become impatient um, is it can easily lead to frustration, anger, bitterness, um, and uh, and that's basically us shaking our fist at God, asking, "Why aren't you?" Um, making these circumstances different. So patience is is part of that. A lot of that, I would say, should say, is trusting in God's timing. Yeah, that's a really good point. And, and it's really true. I mean, these are very simple things, but we realize they're not easy, right? And this is something we have to be conscious of. We should be praying and ask. I, I know lots of guys are like, no, don't pray for patience. No, do pray for patience. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, um, you, you know, you pray for patience and you also learn how to suffer. Uh, it's just one of those things, but it is a good thing um, to do. And certainly I think God, um, you know, answers those prayers that are in line with his word and what the spirit is supposed to be and is doing in our lives. So it, and yeah, and that's a good point, brother, when we're impatient, really, and truly that is in, in some small way, um, maybe not conscious, but it's choosing not to trust in the sovereignty or recognize the sovereignty of God in those instances. Now, um, I'm not for, I spent a lot of time in Africa. I don't enjoy the, how do I say this kindly, the timeless culture <laughs> where, it, you know, it's okay to say you'll be somewhere at 10 o'clock and you show up at 12 o'clock. Um, and, and you just bear that. that. That's not what we're talking about, right? No. Um, and so, th- that should go without saying, but we'll just throw that out there. So, being patient. Yeah, let me uh, yeah, let me add to that. Um, let your yes be yes. Let your no be no. So we're not we're not saying that uh, that gives us the liberty to not keep our word or to not treat something with urgency. So you can treat something with urgency and still be patient. You got to learn to balance those two. And I would say that one of the um, one of the great godly characteristics that we see um, in a lot of longtime Christians also is just having that perseverance, right? That persistence, um, being able to continue just focusing on doing the right thing, even if you're not getting the results that you would like. And think about Jeremiah, right? Uh, ministering for almost 50 years and never one person actually repenting as a result of his ministry. Well, that takes patience. Um, it takes patience and in hand in hand with trusting in God's purposes and through that, being able to just persevere and persist in whatever God has called you to do. Yeah, I think that takes a level of trust that uh, we don't cultivate very easily, right, in Western society where we look at numbers. Um, yeah, just imagine going, ministering all those years and not seeing the fruits of it. And yet there was fruit. Um, and so, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And one more, I did just, sorry, I keep throwing more in, but Ephesians oh, yeah. 4, Ephesians 4, when we talk, talk about the body of Christ and the importance of unity, um, Ephesians 4, uh, right from the very start, which is the central command to the entire letter, um, I implore you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling by which you have been called. And he says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing tolerance for one another in love. And so we see there, uh, right there from the words of Paul, how does it that, how is it that we walk worthy um, of, of the calling that by which we were called? Well, by, by walking with humility, gentleness, and patience and tolerance for one another in love. It's about our unity and our love for one another. And patience um, makes that possible. Without patience, it's impossible. With patience, it's possible. That's right. We should be doing those things because the world is watching. Okay. I'm sorry. That was a uh, I hit at something, but, <laughs> yeah. um, but I, and I really mean that, right? Uh, so scripture says that the world will know us by our love for one another. 
Um, and, and having patience with one another is essential because you can't have love without patience being present. Right. Uh, the Corinthians passage makes that clear. Yeah. So are, are we patient with one another? Are we patient with our husband, with our wife, with our children, with our pastor? Um, no pastor's perfect. Uh, no congregation member is perfect. Right. And so we need to, uh, suffer well and, and show some forbearance with one yeah, another, especially, in those especially when we're, especially when we're counseling one another. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the area where I think a lot of us, um, are tempted to be impatient. You see someone struggling with a certain sin, something that to you is not an issue or to you, um, you were able to defeat that relatively quickly and we can get impatient with that person. And really just start kind of uh, spiritually beating that person over the head, you know, saying, why aren't you getting over this? Well, I mean, there there is a time for loving rebuke and and to be able to um, stand against uh, what someone is doing in in rebellion to God. Um, But as we counsel one another, we got to recognize that, you know what, um, by the will of God, each person grows differently in different ways in different areas. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are called to show that love uh, of God towards them, just as Christ showed towards us again. If God were impatient towards us, uh, we would not have salvation. We'd be burning in hell right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just think so many times scripture talks about um, how we're to relate to one another in the way Christ related to the church, right? And we have all kind of implicit and explicit uh, texts that refer to those things. I just think of Israel. um, Goodness. I mean, look at, you know, guys often have this idea of God being an angry God in the Old Testament, but look at how many times Israel turned from God after he freed them, right, out of slavery, and 10 different times, right, throughout their journey to the promised land, they turned from God, they complained. I mean, here you are, you have God's people who have been miraculously freed, right from Egypt. They've seen the plagues. They've seen the water parted. They're getting manna miraculously. They are being led by, you know, a pillar of fire by night and cloud by day. Just all these uh, just miraculous one-time events. Um, And yet they constantly grumble and complain. And, you know, it just seems like time after time again, in fact, the text tells us 10 different times, right? They acted in disobedience and, and God, I mean, could have just wiped them out at any one of those stages. And there were lots of times where God made it clear that that's what he could have done. And he would have been right and just in doing that. Um, and through dialogue with Moses and just exhibiting a humanity there, he didn't do that. Um, that. You know, until you get to the very end where there was a just punishment for disobedience coming into the promised land. But my goodness, all those years... Um, of grumbling, fighting against God. Uh, I mean, you, you have a, a people group here who just heard the audible voice of the living God so much that they were terrified. No, Moses, you talk to God and and just tell us what we need to do. And next thing you know, you know, Moses is coming down from the mountain. He was gone a little bit longer than they expected him to. And here you have Aaron saying, Oh, gee, Moses, I don't know what happened. Just this golden calf popped out of the fire. That's right. Yep. And that was and that was just 40 days after receiving those Ten Commandments. And we think about those Ten Commandments. I often say that everything, everything hinged on the first two, that you shall have no other gods before me and you shall not worship or make any idols um, or worship any idols of anything above or on or below the earth. And both of those two commandments were broken with the golden calf. And that was 40 days. And remember that Israel actually agreed twice um, to the requirements of the law. 
They did so before receiving the Ten Commandments in Exodus chapter 19. And then once again in chapter 24, they said everything that the Lord has said we will do. And that's when Moses went ahead and sprinkled them with blood to uh, yeah. inaugurate that covenant. And so they broke it 40 days later. And at that point, God could have said, okay, you've lost out. Um, it's done. Um, I'm no longer your God. You're no longer my people. But he didn't do that. And fast forward even to the time of Jonah, right? And we've talked about this before, but Jonah at the end of um, the book of Jonah in chapter four, he's upset at God. And he says, and he says to God, this is why I, I was upset. And he quotes what Moses heard on the mountain, that you're compassionate and gracious, slow to anger. And, and he knew, and Jonah knew that God was going to save the Ninevites. So he actually, th this prophet ran away from God, not because God was a God of anger, but because God was a saving God and that he was going to actually actually save people that Jonah didn't want to be saved. Yeah. And I think we fall often into that mindset, right? God is far more long suffering than we are. Um, and so, you know, this, this, yeah, the fruit of the spirit patience is something we should be longing for um, and, and trying to cultivate. So brother, the next one, I mean, you know, it just goes along with, I mean, all these are, are inseparable for one another kindness. Um, yeah. Okay. Uh, in the American context over the last couple of years, we, we could use a dose of kindness, um, you know, secularly and spiritually, right? It's, it's been a crazy world these last couple of years. Yeah, kindness is uh, described, uh, according to the Greek lexicon, it's the quality of being helpful or beneficial, mm -hmm. and often translated as kindness, goodness, or generosity. So it's really this disposition where we're trying to be beneficial and helpful to everyone we meet and in every situation that we're in. Yeah, and so we see examples all around us of just a lack of kindness. We see it in our culture today. We've been seeing it in, in the, the riots and, and the beatings on the streets and the cancel culture and how people want other people to, to be fired and, and doxing people on the internet for not um, holding a, a certain position. I see athletes, if, if there's an athlete that shows any hint that he was a, for instance, uh, so, someone who voted for Trump, that person is automatically um, canceled all across social media saying, um, this person's a Trump supporter and all that. Um, videos in San Francisco, people just looting um, openly and uh, report that 40% of residents there want to move out um, because of that. I, I mean, this is all um, that some of that is a lack of order, a lack of law and order, but it, it's also just a general disposition, you know, the general disposition of, of unkindness towards one another, want, not wanting to benefit each other, but rather wanting to harm one another and really only thinking for ourselves. Yeah, just before I had to edit that out uh, because of my doorbell rang, you were talking about a video you saw this morning. This is just a prime example of that, right? Yeah, the video was a, a number of people running out of a Neiman Marcus store. Um, they had uh, the video on them, and there must have been, uh, I'm going to guess, six, at least six, seven, eight people running out of that store one after another, all carrying bags and other uh, merchandise. And they were they jumped into a car and they just drove right off and there were cops on the scene and cops did nothing except just hold up their phones to, to videotape it. And um, on, on the one hand, you can say, well, what are the cops doing? Well, the co cops are handcuffed as well. And there are laws out there now that you can't even um, write up a ticket, uh, I, I believe, for someone who steals under $950 worth of merchandise. So maybe they wanted to assess that first. But all of that is happening because people are really just thinking for themselves and they're not thinking with kindness towards one another. Yeah, absolutely. And I saw that video and it's, it's 
what horrified me more uh, because I I understand you know the the mindset that criminals and and they are criminals um, that do those things have but I think what broke my heart more were reading through the comments. Um, I, I mean, one comment that I just think displayed utter selfishness and lack of any kind of kindness or care was uh, there. There was one comment that said something to the fact of, "Well, you know, it's fine because they're insured, <laughs> right?" Um, and and I just thought, my goodness, um, what a world we live in. Where I mean, just that that kind of comment is utterly void of any generosity, any kindness, any it care is. or consideration for someone else's property, livelihood, you know, I mean, people are behind corporations and it feeds yeah. families and it affects, right. um, you know, it affects the employees. And anyway, just a general dismissing of something that's wrong, that's illegal. Um, I mean, theft clearly against scripture, yeah. uh, just to dismiss it because, well, someone else is going to have to pay for it. Right. Um, so it's even unkind towards the insurance company. A comment like that. Yeah, yeah, and and some of this is just um, we're no longer a society that educates our people. Um, we indoctrinate them with all kinds of um, different ideas, but even a basic understanding of economics, um, you would realize that insurance companies don't have money trees growing in their backyard where they can just give out an unlimited number of cash amount of cash to companies. Um, that that has an effect on the insurance rates, and that also has an effect uh, effect on the fact that uh, insurance companies at some point, if they have to give out more money than they're taking in, they just won't insure you. And yeah. so they're going to pull out the insurance. And when those stores don't have insurance and they know that they're in a high risk area, guess what they're going to do? They're going to do the same thing that Walgreens did in San Francisco, which is shut down and leave. Yeah. And so it's very short sighted to think that way. And, and, and it hurts the economy. It, it ends up hurting everyone around you. Talking about a you know, we're in a culture where everyone keeps repeating, love your neighbor, love your neighbor. Well, those are examples of how you hate your neighbor. Yeah, um, absolutely. Bring, bring about long-term consequences. That's going to make it harder on everyone. Yeah, we've almost gotten to a place where uh, when someone makes a comment like, love your neighbor, I'm, I, I can almost just guess whatever is happening is the opposite. Um, it, it's a strange culture that we live in. But, you know, so we've got guys in the church that are listening like, well, I mean, I'm, I'm I don't think it's okay to dismiss theft. I'm, I'm not going to go rob a store. I'm not going to participate in that. Um, so how does that really impact me? Well, I mean, you know, when we look at the church, if you look on social media, you can see what the lack of kindness in the Christian community looks like, right? Yeah. Um, and and we're not talking about the rightful place of confronting one another in sin. Um, we're talking about how we do those things. Now, it, it's hard to read tone into a, a text message or a social media tweet or Instagram picture or whatever, um, but you just see how really the lack of kindness has infected the Christian community as well. Um, yeah. we, we don't give one another the benefit of, of the doubt oftentimes, and that's a kindness, right? It's an act of kindness right. to say, this is a brother or sister who has never demonstrated ill will or malicious intent. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to assume that's not the case first here also. Uh, but our tendency is to, you know, you, you, you write something, uh, you use some poor grammar, like I often do uh, on my tweets, and it sounds different, or you use a punctuation that you shouldn't have used, and it, you know, gives the wrong impression. We instantly go on the attack, right? Or someone just thinks differently than we do. They have a different theological perspective. Um, and, and rather than question with kindness, 
we kind of jump to attack. And that's just one way that we see that, I think, all the time in the social media. Um, I I think social media has, while it has all of its benefits and God certainly uses all the the technology that we have, in fact, we have it ultimately because uh, of His graciousness in our lives, but um, it certainly uh, is is often used for the other side too, right? Because of the lack of personal face-to-face contact, we tend to be a little more aggressive towards one another and just generally, I think, uh, lacking kindness in a lot of ways. And man, I, I would, again, this would be a place where I would point to like Dustin Binge, right? Yes. Um, I mean, his. you look at his Twitter, if you're not following him, you're missing out because he exhibits just generally in what he does does just a gentleness and a kindness that um, is it's just in line with what the scripture teaches we should be exhibiting. Yeah. And, you know, I think um, asking ourselves a very simple question, which I should do as well for myself, is just asking yourself, how can I be helpful or beneficial to this person I'm dealing with? And and that starts within the church. I mean, with your fellow church members, um, just showing up on Sundays to worship with that person, um, that that's one thing. Um, but really asking yourself, how can I demonstrate kindness? How can I be helpful or beneficial to fellow brothers or sisters in Christ who might be in need, who might be suffering, um, going through some hard times? Maybe maybe I can pray with them. You know, Maybe I can take them out to lunch or have coffee with them during the week. Maybe I can call them up, see how they're doing. Uh, maybe there's something I can offer them that uh, they're in need of that I don't have need for. You know, there, There's a lot of different ways that we can express kindness towards our fellow um, church members, towards our fellow um, brothers and sisters uh, within the body of Christ. Um, that I think a lot of us don't seek to do often enough. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think we it, it's helpful to remember um, who we were before Christ too, and who we are still, right? The reality is you're being kind to a person, not who is um, worse than you are, but they're just like you are, yeah. right? I mean, we deserved hell and damnation and Christ saved us just like he saved our brothers and sisters. You're not sin free, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's helpful when we remember that our sin is as wicked, as evil um, as anyone else around us, and it deserves the same punishment, right? Eternal death and hell. And when we have that perspective, um, I, I think it helps us to be kind because of the kindness we've been shown. And so it's good to remember those things. Yeah, and and that's, uh, I think about Jesus Christ when he said, they shall know you're my disciples by your love for one another. Well, how are they going to see your love for one another if they don't see kindness, right? So, the love is expressed through kindness, wanting to do what's uh, what is good, beneficial um, to other people. Um, So, yeah, this is something that we should always be demonstrating this. And, and even when we're debating with someone, for instance, on social media and whatnot, um, ask yourself the question, is there a way I can be helpful or beneficial to this person? Now, we do run across a lot of trolls. Um, there's a lot of people that are just looking to kick up dirt and all that. Um, but we don't need to resort to foul language. We don't need to resort to slanderous statements. Um, we can just say, you know what, um, this conversation's done. We're, we're not going any 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 closer and we're not making any progress through these communications. So I'm going to sign off. And in some cases I've got people who are mockers, scoffers of the Bible mm-hmm. and they won't listen to the truth. Um, you know, the truth of the things that they attack. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm okay saying, you know what, 
um, you don't understand the Bible, and until you repent, uh, we're not going to have any further communication. So you want to do things in a way that, um, you know, if um, if someone were watching that as from a third party perspective, would they find that to be beneficial to them as they as they read it, or do they see someone who's just acting out in pride, wanting to put down someone else? Yeah, and you know we can judge these things biblically. There, I mean, to go to the other end of that, where again, and we made the point, we're not saying don't address things. We're not saying, I mean, I'm a pretty black and white guy. Uh, the truth is the truth, and to quote whoever came up with it first, the facts don't care about your feelings. Um, I, I'm often that kind of guy. That doesn't mean it's unkind or unloving. Church discipline, for instance, is very kind and in in fact loving. Um, and, and, and it is because if it's done, you know, the way scripture prescribes it to be done, then it's supposed to produce, um, the best fruit that could be produced, which is repentance and restoration. And that's a very kind act to do. Um, and so, well, the next one, brother, it just goes along right with what we're saying, goodness, right. And goodness here, it's a virtue, beneficence, um, the quality of being good and, and, um, displaying that between one another when when we're together yeah i think of what jesus christ said um when um was it the rich young ruler um or, or nicodemus one of those two that uh, said we we know that uh we uh, good teacher oh he was called good teacher said good teacher what shall i do to inherit um, eternal life and mm-hmm. jesus responded back um, why do you call me good do you not realize that only god is good and so this is one of those words, and we, we often mention the fact that biblical words often get watered down by the culture. They get overused and, and sometimes used to mean something else. And when we think of goodness, this is a word good. We use that all the time, and we use it for all kinds of mundane, common, uh, common things every day. Uh, but when we think about this biblically, that only God is good. I mean, I think of his moral uprightness, um, the, the fact that he is perfect in every way. Um, I, I think of the creation account, right? Everything, everything God created was very yeah. good. And it wasn't until sin entered into the world that something was not good. Um, or actually, it was, it was the lack of companionship, right, between Adam and Eve that uh, God said that this is not good. Um, so goodness is, um, is kind of this wholeness, this completeness, this, this moral um, purity um, that I associate uh, with God. And we want to be able to model that goodness as well. And so we talked about kindness, um, acting for the benefit um, of others, seeking um, their um, seeking what is going to, um, to to profit them or to be helpful to them. There's certainly a lot of overlap with goodness, but I think there's um, more to goodness than just kindness. There's an overall just our conduct and, and behavior, and that when people look at us, they're not going to be able to malign us for for us our support of evil for or for doing something that that is not in accordance to God's character. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, so goodness here, I mean, just like we're saying, it, it, it's two parts to it. It's, it's the quality of doing good or producing good acts um, as well as being good, right, um, in, in itself. And so they're both of those things. And so there's overlap with, with kindness. Uh, it, this isn't something that we can um, manufacture. I mean, none, none of these really genuinely or something that we can just manufacture. You can right. do um, what would appear outwardly as an act of kindness, but if you're doing it maliciously or selfishly, 
then it's not biblically kind, right? Yeah. Um, it's selfish or malicious. And so you can't fabricate these things. Um, and, it, you know, we realize this, you, you can, we see politicians do it all the time. Um, they'll, they'll do different things. They'll attend different functions. They'll say certain things and you listen and you just think, yeah, that was totally disingenuous. Right. So it, it's, it's hard to fabricate these kind of things. Um, and so all of these come, you know, first and foremost, out of a deep love for Christ and a desire to imitate Christ and to please God um, out of our love for him. And when that's the motivation behind, you know, these acts of kindness, this desire to not just do good, but to be good, um, it, th- that's what we're talking about. That's what we talk about when we're, we talk about the fruit of the spirit. Uh, it's the motivation behind it being to love and please God. And you can't substitute that motivation for anything else and get the same uh, thing that we're talking about when we talk about the fruits of the Spirit. Yeah, and, and this comes by the Spirit, right? So, you, you need to have the Holy Spirit first, and all of the things that you mentioned, amen to it, the desire to please God and to seek after Him, um, that comes uh, by having a new heart, having a, a new nature and a new spirit. So, sometimes people will say, well, I don't need Jesus Christ to be able to do these things. I can pursue these things. Um, I can exhibit these things in my life um, without uh, confessing Jesus Christ. Well, here's the problem with that. Um, by saying that you are good aside from the work of Christ, um, you're actually telling a lie. You're, you're actually believing in a lie and you're sharing in, in a lie. And, and not only that, but you're in essence making yourself to be equal to God by saying that you don't need God in order to do these things. Now, the only way we can achieve um, this kind of fruit is through the Spirit of God uh, dwelling within us. And so it's through our humble submission to God and the motivation, as you mentioned, to please Him um, that comes from a cultivated love um, that we can exhibit uh, these kinds of characteristics. But apart from God, there are nothing more than dirty rags, right? They're filthy rags because we're trying to prove our goodness, which we don't have apart from a God who he himself is God, is good alone. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, the reality is without the Holy Spirit, the all of these things that we do are selfishly motivated. There's no such thing as a person who doesn't have the spirit of God, who doesn't act of kindness or something good that doesn't have a selfish motivation behind it. It's just not possible because the only motivation that can remove the selfishness inherent in these things is doing it out of love for God. And an unbeliever doesn't do that, right? That is, that is the pure, the only pure motivation. Um, when we do things out of our love for God, we love each other out of our love for God when we do these things. Um, yeah, so there's no such thing as the person who does good things um, outside of Christ who does them uh, without you know, the wrong motivation. It may produce something that's desirable, but the motivation is still wrong because they're not doing it out of love for God. Amen. Amen. So, th- this takes humility um, to, to recognize our dependence and our need for God and God alone. Yeah. And it, so, let's just move on, brother. So, we've done, uh, we've talked about love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and we'll probably end on this one, um, faithfulness. This is a big one. What does it mean? What does faithfulness mean here? 
Yeah, faith, um, the, the word for faith can also be used for trust. Um, so we have faith in Christ, we, we trust in Christ. Um, but as a fruit, um, our faithfulness uh, means that we are faithful to God. Uh, we are faithful to our calling. We are faithful um, to what God has called us to be. So it overlaps. You, you could easily argue this overlaps with all the other fruit of the Spirit. Um, but um, we desire when we are brought up into the presence of God to be able to hear the st statement, well done, good and faithful slave, or well done, good and faithful servant, right? And the idea, idea there is that um, we have been faithful as slaves of Christ. We have been faithful as disciples of Christ to do what he has called us to do. Yeah, and this is one of this is one of those things that only God can do. Like you, you can't. God is the one who keeps us, right? We, if we talk about um, persevering, um, it, you know, God is the one who causes His children to persevere to the end, so that we do hear, "Well done, good and faithful servant." But there are things that we acknowledge that we we do that uh, that kind of demonstrate this in our lives, right? So Jesus said, you know that you love me if you what? If you obey my commandments. So if if you have a heart and a longing and a desire and you're pursuing uh, obedience to scripture, this the, this is an act of faithfulness, right? This is what people who are faithful, who have the spirit of God um, do. They, they long and desire uh, to, to be obedient to scripture. When we sin, we repent, right? When we fall, we get up and, and we, we, in that way, we persevere and we move forward, understanding that it's God's grace that allows us to do that. Yeah, and if we use God as our example, we can go looking through the entire counsel of God and see all the covenants that he has made to us. And we think about the Noahic covenant, and, and a lot of people, when they go through the Noahic covenant, they'll treat that promise of the rainbow as, okay, I'm not going to flood the um, flood the earth by water, but I never said anything about fire, right? A lot of people will say that. Um, well, the point of that um, was that um, God was not going to flood or destroy all of mankind, but rather he's going to reveal his plan of redemption. And that paved the way for the Abrahamic covenant, um, which was not only for Israel with regards to the nation and, and having the promised land, but also that all the families of the earth would be blessed. And then you have the Mosaic covenant. The Mosaic covenant was actually um, a more traditional contract between two parties that Israel was unable to uphold. Any of us would have been able to uphold. No one can uphold mm -hmm. the Mosaic law, but God was still faithful to the Abrahamic covenant so that he would go ahead and replace the Mosaic Covenant with a new covenant where uh, his law would be written on our heart. We would receive a circumcised heart, a new heart to replace the heart of stone. It would be a heart of flesh. And so we see throughout Scripture, it is a testimony to the faithfulness of God. And that's why also we often use this word for our marital relationships, right? Um, remaining faithful to the spouse, um, staying married to that person for your entire life, upholding the vows that you promised to make on your wedding night. And so often um, the for new marriages uh, over the last several years, the divorce rate has been something like 50%. And <clears throat> that's an incredibly high number, but it also means that those wedding vows are not being upheld. Um, they're, they're not being honored. So faithfulness is, um, is being willing to and, and actually doing exactly what you have promised to do. And to your point, it's God who gives us that, gives us the Holy Spirit in order for us to do that. And we do that first by seeing his example and then looking at how we can model that in our lives. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's always good to go through these and ask the question, am I exhibiting kindness in my life? Now, let me just say, if you're a believer, it, then you are. Right. Uh, but we can aspire to grow in these areas and we can be and we, we can be when we get to faithfulness, we realize we should be intentional. 
um, about growing in these areas, right? That, that's part of faithfulness. And so, um, are, are we faithful to our local church, right? Yeah. Do we attend regularly on the Lord's Day? Not only do we attend, but do we participate, right? Um, are you participating in worship or are you just going through the motions of singing uh, the songs? And when I mean participate, I mean, are you, are you there worshiping the living God? Uh, be, beyond those things, um, are you interacting with and engaging in the local body in terms of that being your family, right? Your Christian brothers and sisters. Are you using the gifts that God's given you um, in that body? Because that's why he gave those gifts to you, right? right. Is to build up and edify uh, one another and to support and love one another. Th- those, are, those are all things that faithful people seek to do. But there are also areas where if we're weak in, we can be intentional and, and grow in those areas, right? So, if, if you're haphazard in attending you know, the Lord's Day service regularly, you can make a conscious decision, and you should. Um, you know, and you can do that right now. Um, that this is something I, I do love the Lord. We I understand that I'm not supposed to forsake the gathering. Um, this is what the Christian body does and looks like. And so I want to do that. I'm going to do that. Um, if you're not very involved in the lives of people in your body, you can make a conscious effort to change that, right? Just decide to call one person from your church, invite one person over to your home or take them for a cup of coffee or whatever. Um, These are faithful acts, things that we can do to discipline ourselves and our habits um, to, to, to demonstrate our faithfulness and love to Christ. Yeah, and and within those relationships within the body, um, I, I know I encourage, and I believe you would as well, that um, that everyone should be discipled by someone. Um, you know, everyone Absolutely, should be mentoring someone. Everyone should be mentored by someone. And when you enter into to those relationships, which will be good and profitable for you, um, you want to be faithful to those relationships. If you're the one being discipled, you want to be faithful to show up and and to be there when your mentor is ready to to meet with you. That you're not canceling appointments. Uh, regularly, uh, you know, obviously things can come up and, and uh, things happen, um, but that you're there regularly. And, and if you're someone mentoring someone else, that you're going to be there regularly and that you're going to provide something that's going to be beneficial to that person. And, and just think about as you look in the body of Christ, um, think about the individuals that you would call faithful because um, we often use those words and we use them w- with the right kind of people that, that we see a certain element of them. We see characteristics of them that cause us to call them face- faithful. Well, ask yourself, what is it that makes them faithful? Well, they're consistent. You know, whenever there's a need, they're there, right? Uh, whenever you need them, they're available. You know, so there, there's a faithfulness to, to just being there, being available and, and consistently responding when, when people um, ask for help. Yeah, absolutely. And it, you know, we often talk about, at least in the, in the Baptist world, um, you know, we talk about the Great Commission a lot, right? And that gets, no matter where you are in the Baptist world, um, everyone talks about it, right? Uh, but I think sometimes it's easy to put that just on the pastors and the elders, the leaders of the church, uh, but the, everyone should be making disciples. And that's why we would encourage um, everyone should be being discipled and discipling someone. No matter where you are in your Christian walk, there is someone who has not made it to where you are yet. Um, if you haven't read Pilgrim's Progress, it is a fantastic, fantastic allegory of the Christian walk. And you see even that played out uh, at parts of it, right? Um, and so, w- whether you're just brand new to the faith or you've been in the faith for a long time, there, there is... Sh- 
assuredly someone in your local body who you can be being discipled by and discipling in some ways. Yeah. And sometimes discipling others just means you you know, link arms with other believers who are where you are, and you encourage one another to, uh, you know, good reading material, sitting under more teaching in the church, doing uh, good works uh, in, in the church, and you're encouraging growth. I mean, that's a form of discipleship as well. It, it isn't just necessarily, and, and in fact, I would argue uh, most often not a classroom setting kind of thing. That's yeah. part of it, um, but it, it's not the whole part of it. Yeah, and, and at our church, we, we saw this uh, with VBS. So, VBS mm-hmm. happened over five days, and uh, we finished up with 90 kids, but we also had like close to 70 volunteers. And the volunteers, uh, you know, half the battle there is just showing up, just showing up and being ready and being, um, being available to, to be able to help. Um, there were times where we had uh, certain crew leaders that couldn't make it on certain nights. Well, because we had um, a lot of volunteers, we had other people that could step right into their place and, and to be able to fill that role. Yeah. And there's a, a joy that comes with that. And I know that was one of the fruit that we talked about, joy. Um, we saw with um, especially those who were volunteering uh, from young adults to the elderly, um, just a joy that came from fellowshipping with one another, but being there to be able to serve the children. And, uh, and so just being available, being there uh, oftentimes is just half the battle. We often worry so much about whether we're gonna, really going to be able to help, if we're going to say the right things or whatnot, just be there. Um, there, there is a powerful um, benefit to other people just being present and, and being willing to attend to the needs of someone else. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of that is actively trusting the Holy Spirit to work in and through you, right? Yeah, you, don't, you, you can never have all the answers. None of us do. We have to rely on you know, the Holy Spirit to work through us in those cases. Well, brother, as we end, l- let me just go back and read our passage, but I want to I start the passage before and read the contrary, right? Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, against such things there is no law. Amen to that. That is a comforting, comforting voice verse. Um, It also gives us a good paradigm for what's not of the Spirit, makes it really simple for us, although it's not easy. So, um, do you have any last words before we wrap up here, brother? No, yeah, you know these uh, the the fruit of the spirit. Um, this can be daunting. Um, the, this can be intimidating. Um, but but really, what we're um, what all of us are called to do is to trust God. You you take that step in faith. You continue to grow in your understanding of the Word. You dwell upon it. You meditate upon it. Um, you participate in the body of Christ. Um, you seek opportunities to to do what is good for other people. And uh, the more you study Christ, the more you will find yourself imitating Him. We we see this um, in even secular life that if you really want to become like someone, all you have to do is spend a lot of time with that person or spend a lot of time watching that person. 
person, right? I'm I, I'm a huge basketball fan, and uh, I when I was uh, graduating from college, I remember it was around that time that the Lakers got Kobe Bryant, and as people were watching Kobe Bryant, it was very very obvious from the way he talked, the way he walked, um, he was very much imitating Michael Jordan. And and what's that from? That's from hours upon hours upon hours of practicing, watching, and studying Michael Jordan. Well, for us, we don't do that with men; we do that with God. And the more you study God, the more you study Jesus Christ, the more you will find yourself um, doing um, some of the things that Jesus Christ uh, did. And then that's how we that's how we go about doing this. That's the way to, uh, to to move forward is to continue into word in the word, study God, get to know God and Jesus Christ more and more, and uh, and just be faithful um, to to show up to to church and to be there for other people. Amen. Well, these are the fruit of the Spirit, and so we've got to trust God and His Holy Spirit in us to produce these things. Well, we hope this episode has been helpful, and so until next time, let the truth be known. The Truth Be Known podcast is a theologically driven, gospel-centered program serving the body of Christ by bringing biblical truth to bear on issues facing the church today. Subscribe to the Truth Be Known podcast by using the podcast app on your Apple or Android device or listen online at strivingforeternity.org in the podcast section.